Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. Just two Asian American buds talking about politics and the Asian American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. Today is Thursday, July 8th, and we are coming at you live from New York City. My name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me on the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. And my co-host... Hey, I'm Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Flaren, A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And today on the podcast, we are talking about the future of Asian American politics with our friend from Plan A Magazine, Chris. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chris, uh, co-creator, writer, and podcaster for Plan A Magazine, and our podcast is Game for Plan A, pronouns he, him. And you can find me on Twitter at Jesu in Toast. That's J-E-S-U-I-N-T-O-A-S-T. And thank you for having me here. I think Jerry and I, I don't know, we, we just became friends off of Twitter, I think, maybe mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And <laughs> yeah. uh, we met uh, in person for the first time in the winter of 2020 when you were hosting a Bernie comedy fundraiser. <laughs> and that was a uh, thing. Somewhere in the East Village. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the first time we met in person. And yeah, so it's it's uh that's how that's how everyone meets anyone these days, right? Uh off exactly. Of, online. So friends friends or lovers, you know, <laughs> either way. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, if you're listening on your phone, you know, take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram at politically Asian podcast. Uh if you like the podcast, please give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. You know, we're just here for the engagement. So again, today we are talking about, you know, Asian American politics, the future of, you know, Asian American politics with uh, Chris, who has talked about this for a while. Um, But before we do that, you know, we just do the standard thing where we each talk a little bit about our weeks. So, Jerry, how was your week? Yeah, my week was, uh, it was okay. I went back into the office um, for the first time. and Sorry to hear that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your condolences. Um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, I will say that like we get free food and free coffee. So that like, is not the worst, but like, I don't know. It's no, no in office benefit could beat like working in my PJs from my L shaped desk in my man cave, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And are they, they, they are requiring you to go like you can't opt out for the rest of 2021. I don't see. I don't know. Like, I think it's. I think they're gonna rely on like social pressure. Um, and like it's like, (laughs) um, like so. For example, our our, no one knows how to work the conference room. Um, and so like half of the team is there, and then like half of us are like on on video calls, and it's just like you feel like you're missing out a lot. So I think like they're gonna like social pressure or like, you know, like tech pressure like that way to like make people to come in but what about you it's the power of fomo <laughs> um i will say i did know i i was wondering if you started work again because you were texting less <laughs> you were, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's the usual sign i'm like yeah. <laughs> um my week uh so a video that i made like a while back it was like about bystander intervention trainer uh training and then mm-hmm. this this teacher really liked shrek so it was like a comedy parody that kind of like combined shrek with that um, it's being played at um, it's like Oka National, like a, a Asian American political some kind of conference, right? And they wanted a headshot. And oh, I realized yes. yesterday that like I think a new weekly thing that I want to do is just take more photos of myself because I was up to like <laughs> two a.m. just trying to set up like a light, the phone, you know, just timers. And I'm like, this this could be so much easier if I just did this on a regular basis. So I think, um, <laughs> I mean, I feel comfortable making videos, but photography has always been my weak suit because like mm-hmm. I feel like capturing a smile is so much harder than doing whatever on video where you're always moving and you know no one can like mm-hmm. put a still on it and it's like yeah your smile looks ugly or whatever um that's that's what I, <laughs> that's what I think about with photos but yeah so I, I think the short answer is uh had to submit a headshot made me realize I should take more photos of myself on a regular basis yeah, do mm-hmm. it while we can before we're old and decrepit. And okay, in what three hundred years? We're three East Asian people. Like it's gonna, it's gonna <laughs> be a minute. <laughs> and Chris, how was your week? Today, I was on. I was like apartment searching, uh, and I got caught in the rain again without an umbrella. Second time it's <laughs> happened to me this week, and I'm usually very good with always bringing an umbrella when I go up. But I think it's. 
because we've been in lockdown for so long, uh, I just forgot what it was like to be prepared <laughs> to go outside. I've lost all my oh. wilderness skills. So I, I got very wet. Um, mm. But hey, uh, I, I consider that just doing uh, free laundry. I'm not, I'm, I don't need to wash my clothes anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it might be hey, sunny outside. Yeah. So after this pod, you could just walk outside and dry off a little bit if you want. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. There was this like weird like one one hour uh, reprieve. And then it, it came down even worse. Oh, than it's a, it's a, yeah. a, a double rinse today. Nice. Yeah. Watch. Um. How is yeah. how is the apartments that you were looking at? Were they good? Do you like them? Yeah, I heard it's really bad. What do you mean bad? Like I've been seeing on maybe this is just like a TikTok echo chamber, but like I've been seeing like TikToks like, oh, this is what it's like the apartment hunt in New York, and then like it's like a long line like we're at Shake Shack or something. Oh, <laughs> um. Well, the the, la- the last place I saw today was right next to a, a strip club. Oh hell so, yeah! Nice. Uh, you know that wasn't that wasn't the best um, way to end the day, but I mean the market's <laughs> been better than ever, which mm. it, it, well because of you know a global catastrophe. But hey, one of the upsides is slightly better rental prices in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so who's to say uh, you know which one's uh, worse? But uh, yeah, generally speaking, actually, somebody a friend of mine, Jess, who also does the magazine podcast, recently tweeted out this uh, place in Williamsburg that was a studio. And it, it was in the kitchen. It goes like sink. And then there's like a a, a shower, like a, oh, a recess yes. in the wall. There's a that. shower and then yeah. a fridge right next to it, <laughs> which made me think, why do you even have the sink there? Why not just combine the sink with the shower and then you can have like extra counter space or, or something? It, it's essentially the same thing. Uh, so that confused me because if you're going to go that far, just go all the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's precedent for that in, in Seinfeld anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> that just confused me. Mm. I think oh, I saw yeah, a picture yeah. of that on Twitter, actually. But uh, I d- yeah, it made its rounds last year too. Yeah. I remember seeing <laughs> Every that. And, year. and then, like, I guess it's back on the market. <laughs> like, someone tried it for a year, and they were like, "I can't handle this yeah, anymore." It's just never been sold. What's sad was that before I saw that shower in there, I saw the price, and I was like, "Hey, this place is not bad." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I will be uh, DMing you about that uh, apartment next to that strip club after this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, all right, uh, so that's how all of our week's been, and I guess now, as usual, it's just time to start interrogating Chris for the next forty-ish minutes. Yeah, uh, I guess I will start. Yeah, got got a lie detector strapped out to me right now. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so we'll start off, you know, just to get you know let people know a little bit more about you. So my first question is, how did you join Plan A, and why? Plan A was something that we started talking about. I think it was kind of like maybe very late spring, early summer of 2017. Remember remember that year? And it was, <laughs> none of us knew each other except mm-hmm. through online. So it's not as if we were friends before uh, and you, we were like, hey, why don't we come together and start writing and potting? We had all met online, uh, either through places like Reddit or uh, some people were already like established bloggers or they were writers for their college newspaper. And we just happened to really like what they were saying. So we uh, we gathered them. And I'd been interested in uh, just like internet stuff, whether it's talking about culture or politics uh, from pretty young age. Like I think starting in high school, uh, not mm-hmm. necessarily Asian American, just like, you know, general politics stuff, which is really weird because I was Canadian, but I really got more interested in American politics, especially since this was like, you know, the first years of like the Bush presidency and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd be involved in, in those kinds of uh, places. And then eventually, I think I started finding more Asian-American stuff. And it culminated in me finding the uh, the Asian-American subreddit on Reddit, mm-hmm. which yeah, I think yeah. is mm-hmm. how I got to meet most of the people who started Plan A. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and the reason we started Plan A was that uh, I really, I, I like, I think a lot of people talk trash about the Asian-American subreddit. Because it's, it's become like heavily censored and, and nothing interesting happens there. But I will say that in its early mm-hmm. days, it was the first place where it, it was like a mass centralized place where Asian Americans could talk. Because before you would, I would go to like these very niche um, suburbs. Often they were like, for example, it would be like a, a K-pop or K-drama forum. But <laughs> they would have like a current events or uh, just like miscellaneous uh, forum where you can just go and talk about mm-hmm. whatever but obviously that, that's like that's like a subset of a subset of a group it wasn't just like a general place uh where anybody could come i mean like i think something like subtle asian traits is an even bigger example 
of that. But at the time, some place like the Asian American subreddit was mind blowing to me, being like, "Wow, this is a place that won't die just because like the the one moderator decides uh, they're bored <laughs> or they got married or they got a job or something and and then abandon the place. It's it's you know self perpetuating and someone can always take over mm -hmm, and it's never going mm -hmm. away." Had some really cool discussions there. That's where I first started to actually like maybe even meet people in real Ooh. life after you talk to them online. That was very exciting. Nice. Wow, I like the the K-pop. Uh, <laughs> K-pop, even if it's early <laughs> days, was bringing Asian people together. That that was that was when you uh you know all the posers and the bandwagoners these days. No, these were the the true fans. Big back Bang, in the day. Haru Haru. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Um. Uh, and I guess related to that, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about that. Um. So you talked about you were interested in politics in general, I guess, at an early age. Um, can you talk a little bit more is what that entailed and then like how did that slowly tie into Asian American politics? Just a little bit more detail in that area. Mm, I would have to say I I mean, I think Jerry, you said in one of the recent episodes, you you're very hesitant to describe yourself as an activist because like everybody describes themselves as an activist. Yeah, now. it's 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 actually like a red flag for me. If like you no, put activist in your bio, I'm like mm, are All we right, sure? hold on. Yeah. Let me let me change I, my Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a well, it's not a sub tweet because we're not tweeting, but that was like a like a sub statement uh, directed at you, Aaron. Uh, I I actually do not have it. That was a joke just for listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, activist is I think a very um, uh, sacred is too high too like it, it's too much, but mm -hmm. it, like it, it should be reserved for people who are actually doing really strong courageous work mm -hmm. not someone who has a dabbling interest or who likes to post or who even likes to write occasionally so you know i would never uh, describe myself as an activist um i don't even know if i would describe myself as even that particularly politically uh knowledgeable um i would say first and foremost i'm a writer uh either fiction or just like cultural mm -hmm. commentary and i think in order to do that well you got to have at least some passing knowledge of politics you got to care a bit about it yep yep but there are far more people who are you know know more care more about very specific issues very important issues and things like that so you know whether it's like activist or even like a political expert i definitely wouldn't count myself as one of them um but i do think that you know politics is something that encompasses everything uh so in order to just have a good handle or grasp of the world you should at least know a little bit so i think hopefully that's where i can come in got it so it's like you mainly i guess <laughs> sort yeah. of learn through just reading in general as part of other writing activities yeah because like uh you know w whether i'm writing uh, like an an article that's like cultural criticism or something like fiction you have to understand you know why people act the way they do what are the competing factions what are the interest groups and uh, ultimately, that's what politics comes down to, competing interest groups trying to mm -hmm. um, get their way, uh, fighting over limited resources, whether it's money, attention, uh, <laughs> sympathy. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so in order to just know all that, you got, you got to know why, as I said, why people act the way they do and what are the stakes. Yeah, yeah. I laughed at the attention thing because it's it's easily like in my head. It's like, oh, they're they're fighting over clout, you know? Hey, like, clout battles. Well, are it's real, real yeah. right? It's real. <laughs> clout battles yeah. are real. <laughs> <laughs> that's activism. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a good. I think that's like, I think that's a good point. Like, I think um, you know, for people, for I guess like any minority group, like your identity kind of like is sewn into a lot of your like psychology basically because that's how you experience the world um and like i feel like that's a very fair way to learn learn about politics so like i get that um i feel the same um and i think like that kind of segues into our next question about like you know um and this is kind of a deep dead jump into the deep end but like what do you think are ways to like get quote boba liberals um to care more about like uh, what we call capital p politics so that's like the bigger issues like deportation and like imperialism mm -hmm. um i think it i think you have to realize and this is something you know i myself uh i think i've only recently really come to terms with is that people you can't like politically engage people on on a set of very um kind of like uh, uh, like discrete issues uh, in, in the sense that um, 
people politics i think mainly people are moved by some sense of community and identity and absent that uh i mean this is why uh people will always be like well why is this like x or y group voting against their interests mm-hmm. and by interest they're probably talking about a very specific like tax plan or this uh one um i don't know this, oh, they, they can't comprehend why you know this group would uh turn down this chance to get more money or something i think what they're fundamentally failing to recognize is that that's not how people identify in politics. They don't. They don't like think of this and be like, okay, if I if I um, support these issues uh, and weigh them against these issues, um, I come out like net positive. People don't act like that. People have to be moved by some like very uh, visceral, fundamental um, sense of like identity and belonging. Which is why I think the the problem with Asian American politics is that there is no sense of community, or it, it's very weak. Mm-hmm. So then you can. You can tell them saying, hey, look at all these um, very uh, poor, uh, oppressed people getting deported. But then I think it's like, well, who is telling me this? And I think a lot of the problem a lot of the time is there, there is this kind of like elite class of Asian Americans who are, who are very disconnected from the rest of the Asian American community and who the rest of the Asian American community either doesn't really care about or just actively distrust. And then, mm-hmm. so when they, even when they present very uh, righteous issues like, you know, deportation, gentrification, all this kind of stuff, it just rings hollow. Like, I don't think you're doing this I- for us. I think you're doing this because, I don't know, you, you want to look good yourself or you're trying to distract from your own um, privileges. You, you want us to, like, not question that. So I, I think first you got to s- establish some sense of, like, common Asian American community in order for mm-hmm. any sense of, what, how to get Asian Americans to care about politics. And I think uh, as much as we criticize something as shallow as like media representation, that is something that tends to unify a lot of Asian Americans. Uh, so I, I think that's why at least that is something that seems to galvanize people. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm working off of. I'm just like reflecting on what you just said. And it does sound like a little bit of a, a tricky situation as well. So you're saying like, you know, there, there is, I, I guess, could, could we put like a, almost like a like a name or like a group of you know when you say like elitist like high like that group of asian americans like can we can we make it a little more concrete somehow i would say they're usually they've usually gone to like very good schools uh their their like social circles will often be very diverse i mean i think it you can you can kind of tell the class of asian americans basically by like how many white friends they have Generally speaking, no, this is this is true, right? The lower class Asians tend to have all Asian friend groups, maybe even like other minorities, uh, like non-white minorities. The h- highest class Asian Americans tend to have a lot of white friends. A lot of them do tend to be married to like other uh, to white people. And I think that that's like a big divide. And, and and I think to pretend that just because we all look alike, that there is a common interest driving us. Uh, I think that that's why... Uh, it's hard to um, it, it, to on, on the from an outsider's perspective, it might be hard to see like, oh, why can't a- Asians like rally all you know all together? It's because well, there are different class divides, and often with minority groups, um, you know, class is not just about money. It's also about uh, you know we talk about like colorism uh, among Asian uh, like Asians. There's that. There's like. Um, I think I think the most coveted resource among Asian Americans is: Do you feel like you belong in whatever like American narrative is being presented before you? Do you feel mm. like you belong? And if you feel like you belong, I think that puts you in the upper like upper half of Asian Americans. There's like an upper half and a bottom half, and some Asian Americans, uh, for various reasons, feel like they actually they do belong. And I think they're the ones who tend to be more politically active because it's. Um, a lot of times they end up talking about the same things that like white liberals and white progressives espouse. And a lot of the things that the kind of like lower half Asian Americans uh, want uh, often go against it. I mean, uh, a common example would be like, say, like like school admissions and testing. But for a lot of lower class Asian mm. Americans, um, you know, I, in my ideal world, um, I don't want Asian American kids putting so much faith in these institutions, letting them determine their self-worth and everything. 
But in the status quo right now, mm-hmm. if you're kind of like a lower class Asian American, uh, your path to social mobility is probably through that, especially at a, in a place like New York, the specialized high schools, which are free because you're not going to be able to uh, you can't afford to go to Brearley. You can't afford to go to like Trinity, but you can uh, through testing, maybe get your kid into like Brooklyn Tech or whatever. And maybe from there, uh, a nice school and from there, uh, like a good job and everything. Uh, but then if you have like these oh. elite Asian Americans, many of whom have already gone to these schools themselves, uh, talking about how, uh, you know, these Asians are cheating uh, or uh, they're just they're just great grubbers and all that. I think if you're kind of in the lower class of Asian Americans, you're thinking they're just kicking the ladder. Uh, so that's what I mean by just there are these like internal class divisions among Asian Americans that uh, often but don't always correlate to uh, like actual money. And I think uh, it probably tracks closer to how how uh, included they feel, just like in mainstream American society. Mm, okay. Okay. Wow, you went the New York City route. I that's I feel like that's like a very local issue because like I didn't realize that like some places you have to take a special. I mean, maybe it's just New York specific, but I didn't realize. You, well, I, I know in like San Francisco, there's like Lowell High School. I'm sure okay. there's like other places around, but yeah, like when they have these high. These like feeder schools to these elite universities that are still public, so you don't have to pay for them. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you have the money, you can just send them to the the fancy pants private yeah, school, private and, and they'll be taken care of. But most Asian Americans aren't that rich at best. We're kind of like this salary man level of you know middle classness. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, y- y- your best bet still is to to try to get your kids into one of those like free free mag like magnet schools or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking like of of heart like you like we're always talking about Harvard, so like I always forget like the the New York City issue. Um, but like it's just like they did like this study where like um they found that the CUNY school system has done more for like social mobility than like kids, especially like people of color, uh, kids of immigrants going to Harvard. Um, and it's like, no one, no one tells you that, you know, like, no, everyone we've, I feel like we've been fed a lie that like, we got to get the brand name, you know? No, yeah, no, there, there's definitely that. Um, so my, in my perfect world, uh, we would just step away from it. But I also think it's like, that's what they want you want us to do though. Right. They like, if we just, if you just like unilaterally step away from something without extracting any concessions, that's just what, that's just what like a, that's just walking away in defeat. So I would rather, my ideal situation is that Asian Americans say, you know what, this Ivy League stuff, totally overrated. You're nothing more than just a, a finishing club for fancy boys and girls. Uh, we'll take our talents elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But under your own uh, purported ideals about uh, progressivism and wanting the best and brightest, um, you're actually not even living up to that, so uh, we we want some kind of uh, concessions for that. I don't know what those would be, but uh, you know, at least because if if under their own narrative, um, a, a lot of Asian Americans are being excluded right now because for reasons like we have bad personalities, or um, I think this was more of an older uh, excuse, but like uh, Asian Americans only care about grades. I think now Asian American kids are are up to here with extracurriculars. They're like basically getting uh, elected uh, like city council before they even graduate high school or something. So uh, yeah, like but your own rules, you're not abiding by them and admit to that and, and don't blame us, blame yourselves. Cause you, uh, you're, you know, you say you're looking for one thing, but you're like looking for another thing. So just be honest about that at least. Mm. Are you advocating for like the creation of like, um, you know, like, basically like asian colleges asian schools is oh is, no 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 that, okay. that's that's pretty dumb i think <laughs> uh no i i think there are plenty like i mean the problem with the u.s is not that there aren't enough schools there are, if, if anything there are too many schools it's just that the uh, all the prestige and all the the pipelines are concentrated at the top i want that evened out i don't want every mm. uh supreme court justice every movie producer every hell even like every like model or something to come from the fucking Ivy Leagues. I, I want that spread out. Mm. But until they do that, they can't tell us to stop trying for those schools. You know, it's, it's got to be a two, it's got to be going both ways. You can't say, oh, you know, stop trying, stop being so obsessed with the Ivies. Meanwhile, you look at, uh, as I said, government or business or entertainment, everyone's coming from those schools. Well, why shouldn't, why don't we have the right to 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 go for those schools? It's like, okay, you want us to step away? We'll do that. But, uh, you know, you, you should spread around that that influence monopoly you got there. Mm. 
Mm, okay, so I guess to summarize, it's like <laughs> I guess the short answer to what are ways to maybe not even the short answer to get you know bubble <laughs> liberals to care more about capital P politics is to first I guess uh, take less uh, take away emphasis from like the higher ups you know Harvard Ivy like get rid of the brand name get rid of the brand name like buying fake shit is good too and I know that because my fake Yeezys are still good one year later like you don't need to spend <laughs> all that money just uh, yeah but it's about like I think accepting like the the not brand name is good too yeah but I mean from a broader point of view I think if you want to get like the, the boba liberal types to, to care more about Asian American politics you have to establish an Asian American community first oh right. that's right that's yeah. right and yeah, i don't think we have a good yes, sense yes, of yes. that now because i think what like you know for example when when like the whole stop asian hating uh was in the spotlight for what like two weeks before you yeah. know people stopped caring about it uh again it focused on that specific class of asian americans um who are often like very you know this this word is a little trite but you know white adjacent they're probably working at the new york times or at the new yorker or they write for some like food magazine, and even when after an incident in which, uh, I even forgot the number. Was it five or seven, or even uh, whatever? Like the number of uh, Asian American uh, masseuse, like women who are murdered in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, all all I ever heard was from uh, various topics from uh, at my you know fancy pants firm or company. I get mistaken for the other Asian. Mm, yeah, or, I see. I see. Um, I got called by the the wrong. I, I got mistaken for the other Asian girl or boy in in school, or I I get creepy messages on Tinder from white men or whatever. It's just like nothing from the actual class of people who tend to always be targeted in these attacks. Um, mm, so that's what I mean. Yeah. So if you are, as I said, um, you know, I always say the majority of Asian Americans who are excluded from this like inner circle, like why would you? trust or care anything that the like upper class has to say and when they come to you and and often in a lecturing tone saying you should care about this you should care about mm -hmm. that you're like fuck <laughs> you you know <laughs> so I, that's yeah. what i say you have to be a, a real sense of community where they will back you even when it's unpopular not when it's just easy like when when like a creepy white incel kills a bunch of you know poor asian american women it's easy to support that. It's less easy to support other things when, let's say, the perpetrators aren't like some creepy white incel guy, or what uh, you know, the, the school admissions thing, or um, whatever. They're like building a prison in Chinatown or something, and the residents don't want it there, but then nobody else wants it. So it's just like, yeah, let's just let's just put it on the chinks. And if they complain, we'll we'll say they're just they're just Asian privileged motherfuckers or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like, the, you know, that kind of goes into the a deeper question. You know, we're talking a lot about like class divide within Asian Americans. How do we come up with like, how do we have a sense of community? I think that's hard. And and I think it's, it's I don't know if this, okay, let me, let me ask you guys this. Um, I, one of the things that I've learned through doing Plan A and just getting to meet a lot of people is that none of these issues are that particularly unique to us. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I find I should find that encouraging or discouraging, because on one hand it's encouraging in that we're not just these freaks of nature <laughs> who are dealing with these weird problems while everybody else is thriving. Uh huh. But it can also be discouraging in the sense that um maybe this is just inevitable and all these issues that are hindering our sense of togetherness. They're like often I think Asians idealize the black community, saying they're so. They're so together. They're so unified, or whatever. Then you talk to a few black people, and they're like, "What the hell are you smoking?" You know, like, have you seen how much we fight amongst ourselves? And you're like, "Wow!" If even they can't um, come together after all they've been through, what chances do we have? So, what what do you guys think when when you learn about things like that? Does that does that make you feel like, "Oh, we're all part of a greater struggle," or does it make you feel, "Oh, fuck! Well, why why should we even try?" <laughs> I mean, off the top, um, okay. I'm thinking about think? what all those like AAPI, like what, what was the website? AAPIdata.com or .org, you know, where they just have all these infographics on, you know, like, you know, economic, uh, you know, inequality between different groups of Asian Americans, right? And like ours is like the worst among any racial group, uh, broadly speaking, mm -hmm. right? Like Asian, black, white. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that seems even more of a pessimistic tone to add to. I also think about like, um, what was that? I forgot that book name, but it was like, yeah, he was like talking about like poor white people in the Appalachian Mountains. And it's like, 
Oh, um, oh, Hillbilly Elegy, right? They made they made a terrible movie. Yeah, they made a that guy's running for Senate, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? I mean, he'll he'll lose spectacularly, but um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I guess he's an example, right, of you know someone coming from like a lower class background. But I I mean, I guess it's true. Like when you mentioned, it's like yeah, obviously like white people, there are definitely huge class divides, and I I don't see you know rich white people even trying to you know bridge any sort of divide between poor white people because they don't need um, to though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I get what you say when when like I don't know I'm kind of a pessimist I'm trying to be more of an optimist <laughs> but like I don't know 2020 really took a lot out of me I I do feel a little discouraged because um you know um I love being Asian let me qualify that but I do I do like have like sometimes I just look at like our community and it's really or maybe it's just because like you know this the uh, quote unquote bubble liberals are the loudest but it's really hard not to look at us sometimes and just be like disappointed you know like i feel like it's it's hard for us to like overall do like the bare minimum and like you know kind of like what you said like if we look at like black folks and like even they have like trouble being unified like yeah i don't i don't know it's hard not to feel hopeless jerry so. uh, here's here's what i recommend doing uh, start visiting the subreddits of other minority groups. Sure, and it'll make you feel better about yourself or like <laughs> oh, about Asians. Um, they have the exact same issues with us. I mean, I I often go to the uh, ABC Desi's um subreddit, which is like the Asian American subreddit yeah. for South Asians, mm-hmm. and it's always about some things like oh, why, why can't why can't like Brian men and women get along? I I think we we like hate each other the most out of every group. <laughs> oh, that's pretty parallel, <laughs> really actually. <funny. laughs> Just watching um. It's just watching like every other group go through like the exact same thing as every others, and every group thinking they're they're like even just like especially just deranged or decrepit or something. It's, mm. as a, I actually find it encouraging. I, I I just think everybody needs to talk more, and which is why uh, one of the key principles of, of funding Plan A was with Asian Americans. We I, we just felt like a lot of things was just being like censored, and yeah, like there are like extremists. But uh, especially because of those people, we got to be able to just like talk things out. And, and most people are pretty reasonable and they'll they'll just, you know, bad things won't happen if you just say uh, just, you know, what's on your mind and just speak honestly and fairly. And um, I think the more you do that, the more you realize, hey, you know what, we're we're not so weird. We're actually <laughs> we're all kind of um, dealing with the same things, e- even white people like the way, you know, like, say, uh, a well off white person in new york the way they treat somebody from i don't know somewhere like idaho or whatever mm-hmm. um it, it often parallels the way let's say like elite minorities um to regard they're kind of like less assimilated or less mm. so-called classy or less whatever uh, assimilable uh, counterparts it's all kind of the same in the end so the more you see that the more you realize hey i'm uh, I'm part of a greater struggle, but that just means I got more help. I just got to make more friends and, uh, you know, more heads will come together, more bright minds, and hopefully we'll come to a solution one day. Wow, that's that's really wholesome and positive. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is very uh, parallel universe vibes or like, you know, just changing the Sims character slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, um, what what all struggles come down to is like a power struggle where like one person wants to step on another person even if they look like or come from this come from similar places um yeah i don't know i I think a lot about like how asian rich you're right about the upper class asians just like throwing lower class asians under the bus um yeah i don't know but that's the american Mm -hmm. dream become being an (laughs) underdog and then seeing yourself grow to be the person who steps on the underdog (laughs) <sighs> okay, well, let me let me try to let's let's move away from being depressing on uh, or like let me move away <laughs> from that depressing note. Um, <laughs> uh, do you do you think like because so you you kind of just mentioned um, the ABC Daisies and I was just wondering like do you think like the label Asian Americans is useful or like is there a better label out there because like on the pod like Aaron and I like to be pretty specific and like use like East Asian Southeast Asian South Asian you know East Asian American that kind of thing I I think I honestly think a lot of problems would be solved if we could just use the term yellow or oriental <laughs> really? I know a lot of people a lot of people I know have problems with that which I think okay 
Like, I know some people like don't like the color yellow. They're like, oh, it's the color of pee. Like, <laughs> the fuck up. Like, no, John does white, people, Chris. John does yeah. people. White is the color of jizz. Yeah. That's not good. I don't know why uh, they think that's good. Black, I mean, obviously, black is the color of evil. Um, uh, you know, brown. We are. We, we don't have to go any farther there. Uh, red. I don't know. Blood. Yeah. Blood. Maybe that's not good. Uh, uncooked meat. I don't know. Every color can be bad. I don't know why people have such a hang up about that. Oriental. I don't. Honestly, I think the the weird colonial use of oriental is so outdated that i can't even be offended by that because i have no living memory of it being a bad term <laughs> yeah that's fair and it, it encompasses what is uh basically chinkiness we all know what that means mm-hmm. even if you're not chinese we know what that means we know the stereotypes it comes with and i think that encompasses it very well um i think it includes some southeast asians but not all and i think it can't just neatly be uh, delineated by uh, geographical borders, often because Southeast Asia itself is very diverse. Right, right. <clears throat> like you have some Southeast Asians that look way more South Asian. Mm-hmm. You have mm. a lot of Southeast Asians who just are barely distinguishable from you know people like me, you know Korean. So uh, instead of using strict geographical borders, we're essentially relying on this kind of blend of lookism and and culture and and whatever. Uh, but I. Yeah, I just, it's always really irritating when I think I think there was like this thing recently where like Stop Asian Hate got some criticism because it wasn't being inclusive of South Asians. And it was like, OK, well, then let's just change the name to like Stop Yellow Hate or Stop Oriental Hate because we know what Stop Asian Hate is trying to capture. It's trying to capture this sentiment of increased uh, dislike and even uh, violence against people who quote-unquote look chinese Mm -hmm. there's a long history of that and be like how messed up would it be if i crashed like some uh like say get together where a lot of like say south asians were talking about being discriminated against because they were you know being so-called accused of being muslim being like hey i'm asian too what about (laughs) my issues that'd be really messed up or let's say uh some like East and Southeast Asian American women were talking about yellow fever and all that. So brown woman comes in and being like, hey, you know, I don't feel that. Uh, in, in fact, kind of opposite happens to me where, you know, I'm like desexualized and all that. So, you know, why, why aren't you talking about that? It's be like, well, that's because we're not really we're, like, I got my thing to talk about. You got your thing. So um, there's like this like CIA handbook that's, that has been in, for years making the rounds around the internet where they were like they're giving it was a training manual for infiltrators being like how do you stymie the progress of any kind of like radical organization you know that i think those especially during the cold war it's like these student groups or uh you know pro-communist so-called pro-communist organizations how do you uh how do you just like gum up their works and a lot mm-hmm. of it is just like just um, you know, just make, just keep raising these pointless issues, get them arguing against each other, uh, slow down their meetings and all that. So a lot of times, that's what it feels like. It's happening. Like we're we're trying to talk about things uh, like xenophobia or uh, this um, sentiment against uh, like yellow people, and then and it's like, okay, if you were trying to put the clamp down on that, what would you do? You would say like, well, you, why aren't you talking about, you know, like. Polynesian issues or mm. Pakistani issues. That's exactly the kind of stuff that, uh, like, if you talk to a lot of black activists, they'll be like, yeah, and then there's always like somebody coming in and trying to, you know, tag on these other issues, being uh, like, what about we ism? care about that too. We, yeah, well, we care about that too. I, get, I don't think it's quite what about because I think what about is, is, would be more like, well, you know, black people commit violence against white people ah, too. You're right. Yes. Uh, yes. But it would be more like, Oh, why are you so focused on only say, um, like say straight black people or like cis black people mm-hmm. or um, urban black people? What about uh, you know? And then there's always be another group that is not entirely yeah, yeah, focused makes... on. And then it's just like, and then it just gets everyone arguing and be like, okay, we, we, we you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, like that's there's always a new about. way to select, like you know, filter, like put a filter on the uh, the population, right? Like a new a new a new cross section, yeah. right? Um, I will say that you know, I think one, I mean, honestly, going back to the whole East Asian, Southeast Asian, South Asian, I know, 
Um, I guess when the UK, maybe it was just London even, when the UK was like, or I'll, I'll just say UK for now and we'll fact check, sure, whatever. It's not, it's not too important. Um, <laughs> Henry Golding, I know, was um, they had like their own campaign over there and it was specifically called Stop East and Southeast Asian Hate. It was a very long hashtag, but that's what the hashtag, <laughs> but, like, but like that's what the hashtag was. And I'm like, okay, like it is a long yeah. hashtag, but I have like zero complaints. This is like very crystal clear, like what it's trying to say. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I to me, I feel like that's like the best. I mean, unless we suddenly get the whole, you know, crew to say, okay, Oriental is back in again. Okay, like that feels like such a huge <laughs> PR struggle, right? I feel like it's much easier just yeah. be like, let's just, uh-huh. let's just like, okay, let's make the hashtags a little longer. Okay, it's like not terrible. Like, stop Asian hate does not also have like a huge ring. It's not like super super catchy, right? It's like it's like okay, like I feel like adding those extra detailed words in the hashtag. You know, there's more pros than cons to doing that. Yeah, Asian as a as a as a category is totally useless. It it encompasses like half the world, <laughs> yeah. and it it includes like at least like multiple like racial yeah. groups. So it, it's all in the context. Like yeah, in in the UK they had to do that because Asian there means exactly, like brown exactly, people. Exactly. So yeah. they had to qualify that with that. Um. So as I said, it it's all just comes down to wordplay uh so just come up with another word i don't care what it is yellow oriental make up and make up a a word you know people are always doing that Mm. these days so uh i think that fixes everything and then um within like people get into these drawn out conversations about then uh like like yellow privilege and all that and and that's always just very (laughs) that's always very irritating and then and then the, the the income stats come out and it turns out like Indian Americans are at the top which makes everything very uncomfortable and they don't like talking about that yeah, yeah, like, exactly uh, and, then, and then even within the, the brown community they'll be like um, oh you know Indians are oppressing Pakistanis uh, yeah. Brahmins are uh, oppressing this group <laughs> so it's like an endless of uh, a fractal of of these things so it's like okay let's just let's just use words more precisely and then it, it it's a simple it's a simple issue with with overly complicated uh yeah solutions. got it so it seems like even like east asian southeast asian south asian like they're i guess they're, like they're like decent right but they don't fully really cap like you know you were mentioning like the exceptions right like some southeast asians look more south asian than southeast right so it doesn't fully capture yeah. that nuance yet you know like that so i mean i feel like that's the best we got right now until a you know new word i'm, I'm air quoting you know new word uh, you know emerges sometime in the next who knows how long. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, once we <laughs> collectively decide to panic about something other than media representation, what other issue, like what issue do you think is going to be the next big um, piece at the forefront of like Asian American politics, like the future and looking forward? Uh, I, th- I think it's pretty clear. It's going to be the the geopolitical struggle with China. All encompassing. Um it is in many ways like the second and probably third generation, but I think like second generation, uh worst nightmare come true where they will have their loyalty questioned, they will have to essentially choose um in some way or another between their like ancestral land, even if they're not like Chinese or whatever, uh, it kind of off- often affects us in the same way. And America, mm-hmm. and f- from both like Democrats and Republicans, you're going to hear a lot of uh, nationalistic rhetoric that is going to be very well practiced because none of mm-hmm. this is new. Like ever since like the um, <laughs> the uh, Spanish American War. You know, America's been like killing Asians, and Asians yeah. have been killing uh, Americans uh, for for a century. So it's all it. The playbook is very uh, well. Yeah, earmarked. they're uh, they're, <laughs> they're pulling it's, out the books from like internment camps. You know, like see, this, just 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 like dusting yeah. off the book. Like, what should we? What's like? What's the script again? <laughs> <laughs> like fucking a. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, especially with things like Plan A, I think that's one of the things that we've been. Because when we started out, we the, the things that we wanted to talk about i think ran its course we talked about it as much as i think was uh suited to talk about and and then uh, just around that time like covid hits and then it really changed a lot of people's perspectives uh shifted people's priorities 
and we're still trying to figure out like what 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 is this like next thing um because mm-hmm. i think there's because i think up, up until like even like 2019 it was still very like you know asian american discourse was often centered around either like cultural issues like you know media rep or a lot of like interpersonal stuff um you know microaggressions Mm -hmm. uh dating issues um feeling excluded from friend groups or whatever now not that those issues aren't um still pertinent but i think people are like that kind of feels like a a previous era Mm. and it feels like something's changed but we're not quite sure what it is and i think that's where we all are now Mm -hmm. um but i think one thing clear is that yeah the, the overwhelming issue will be uh possibly for the rest of our life <laughs> no. <the> great <laughs> the great enemy of america will be will be a yellow face yeah and <clears throat> oh sorry no no finish what you're saying and then i'll then I'll. Well, i was just gonna say uh but uh for better or for worse this isn't the first time that's happened so <laughs> it's not unprecedented mm. literally just the not even the sequel just I just, I just the the. <laughs> it's like the uh, Fast and Furious series where where I like number <laughs> just, just like con- Oh my god! I think they're on conti- nine. It's just one continuous. <laughs> it's like an ebb and a flow, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, there. Yeah, I mean, like I think the coronavirus really set the stage for what was already boiling. Um, you know, I, you mentioned earlier, um, that like it will affect um a large part of asia and like while i do think like okay like the typical american cannot tell a korean from a chinese from a japanese person apart do you feel like um japan and korea will get caught up in the same way when like i i feel like america has like significantly better relationships with korea and japan but like do you feel like they'll still be caught up in the same way well, yeah, if, if I try to um, say I, I don't want to come off as like an expert on American politics, I'm a total... Chris, it, it, it's, it, Chris, it's Asian too late politics. for that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. But I will say, I, I think it puts... It's hard to say because it's like... Uh, like uh, for example in korea a lot of the the generational divide uh in terms of politics um like the current from you know from my limited knowledge mm-hmm. we have a very liberal president mm-hmm. nobody you would mistake for like a communist or a socialist i mean it would depend on who you ask but he's like you know a solid liberal type he is very much hated by older people cool uh, because they think he's basically a, a puppet for the north korea and china and then i think he's much more popular among younger people because there is, I think, more skepticism towards the U.S. The, the older generation views the U.S. as more of like a, like a savior nation mm. and has still has lingering memories of communism, uh, whereas the younger people, not so much. So um, I, I think when uh, when the this pull becomes stronger, I think it'll expose more... Um, choices people have to make whereas before when it was just america was the undisputed number one power there wasn't a real choice now there is and i don't know how people act because i don't know enough about the situation there but uh, i think it, it's unpredictable because it's going to lay out options that were not feasible before mm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just thinking because like, um, I'm also not an expert on <laughs> Asian politics, but um, I feel like just kind of like thinking about like, uh, I feel like Korea and Japan are very like, pro capitalist um, nations that have like really like, done well in the West, it like appear well in like the West, West size. Um, but then like you have countries like I don't know, like like you mentioned, North Korea, um, and also like Vietnam, and like I'm starting to think about like Southeast Asian countries, like how will that affect them? Um, and yeah, it's just it's just I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, like I, again, I, don't, I know very little about Korean politics, but I do know that a lot of Korean foreign policies is heavily, uh, just like systematically controlled by the u.s mm. um and and obviously the biggest sign of that is that the, the u.s military has a very large presence there yeah, <laughs> yeah there's always been this 
sentiment of well when are they gonna leave finally um and i think again in the past it was more more of a theoretical question but now um when you really have to choose where, where let's say you know china who's i'm sure like a very uh, important trading partner with korea are like saying okay it's either us or them either you boot the americans out or we're like taking away all the bit our, our business and the u.s is saying the exact same thing either we stay or we're taking all our business away now mm. you got to make a choice whereas before you didn't have to so i have no idea how things will play out but the choice is will have to be made damn this is very classic i mean it's literally movie-esque us or them and we are all just kind of in yeah. the middle as like the main character <laughs> sort of the main character <laughs> interesting yeah yeah, I mean, I think a very, I think this is a very, uh, I won't even say silver lining, more like maybe a bronze lining or like a <laughs> copper lining. Is that. Hey, copper's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> People steal that from ACs. <laughs> uh, I think one of the, I think, nice things about all this is that, hey, at least Asian Americans kind of matter now in some sense. Mm. We're not just, we're not just a, hey, you know, can I tag along? That kind of crowd. Hey, we're actually gonna have to um for better or for worse say stuff um <laughs> and i think i'd rather be in that position than kind of like not matter at all so again uh some optimism from me here is that if if um all the all the bad stuff that's happened in the last year in terms of all the violence all the rhetoric and, and mm-hmm. whatever at least i think it's it's come to move people to be like hey i i need to kind of stop drifting along just kind of floating along in life uh going along to get along um i gotta i gotta take a stand uh whatever that stand may be which i think is good um okay well that that wraps up our time um we are we are coming in pretty pretty long so we'll we'll uh chop off the meat here oh god maybe maybe not chop off the meat that's <laughs> awful but anyway chris thank you for coming on the pod um oh, tell the people me. tell the people where they can find you but not like in a creepy internet way oh no please stalk me like <laughs> not enough stalkers i feel very ignored yeah you can find me at jesu in toast on twitter j-e-s-u-i-n-t-o-a-s-t our podcast is escape from plan a and then our magazine, you can find us at planamag.com. Sweet. Okay. Well, that is our pod. Um, and, you know, like, once again, please leave an Apple review. Um, we need the engagement. Uh, if you, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at Politically Asian Podcast, at Politic Asian Pod on Twitter, or just like email us all your hate mail at politicallyasianpodcast at gmail.com. Um, again, please leave an Apple review. Thanks for listening and bye. bye. bye.